Happy Halloween, Agile spooks and ghouls. Welcome to another episode of Agile Bytes that's powered by Integrity-inspired solutions where we bring dead projects back to life and exercise all demons of inefficiency out of software development. Today's episode of Agile Bytes is very special. I will be taking you on a trip through three Halloween tales of Agile terror. The first story on our trail of Agile terror is the story of the middle management slasher. It happened one day early in my consulting career, my very first consulting gig, as it turns out, and I was assigned a team where we did Scrum. And we did Scrum and we did Scrum very well. Now, this particular financial institution was very risk averse and very change averse, as you might imagine financial institutions to be. And so as we began to do Scrum, the other structures of the institution began to have trouble with us. What phase are you in? They would ask me. Are you in the design phase? Are you in the build phase? You seem to be doing both of these things at the same time. And all sorts of team managers had trouble with my team. So much trouble, in fact, that middle management could not stand the fact that my team's work was so difficult to define. It did not matter that our first release had no production bugs, nor did it matter that our first release had no user requested changes because the users had seen the software every single day while we were developing it. No, what mattered was it was very difficult for the project planners to figure out what phase my team was in. And so, in the shadows of the night, well, 2 p.m., a bunch of middle managers and, and vice presidents of the bank and authority figures got together to solve this problem what can we do about this team whose phase we cannot determine? And as managers told tales of not being able to assign us properly on their Gantt charts and how their project management software could not accommodate this and their budgeting paperwork didn't seem to have a place to describe iterative development. As these things went on and on, one vice president asked, well, how is this team actually performing? And it was then that the development manager said, well, actually they are outperforming all of our other teams. They are releasing more, they are releasing faster, and there are no production bugs when they release, and the users have no requested changes. And this vice president said, it sounds to me like they don't need our processes. Maybe we should just leave them alone. And you would think, dear friends, that this was the end of the story. But no, because middle management in that statement heard the sounds of their own demise. Because if it was true that a team could outperform their other teams and not require the elaborate project management structures that the bank required, what would happen to all of their jobs? And so friends, I am sorry to say that my team was instructed to stop developing in an agile way and go back to the bank's phased gate approach. And thus, something very wonderful died. This next tale goes back to one of Integrity Inspired's earliest clients. In this particular client, we were put under the structure of the client's existing IT operations. Our team reported directly to the vice president of IT, and it was that vice president who would hand us 
our projects. These projects came from a project backlog set up millennia ago by insane monks in the 15th century. Well, not exactly quite that far back, but at least two or three years ago with a board, probably something like that. Anyway, there was a list of projects that went back a long time. That's my point. And these projects would just come off the top and we would do them. Well, one day, the next project that came off the top was to rebuild the e-commerce shopping cart for their online courseware sales. And so we asked the vice president of IT, who are the stakeholders for this project? But she did not know. Eerie. So we decided we would discover who the stakeholders were. And we took the project to every department in the company. And we asked them, are you the department who needs the shopping cart rewritten? And every single one of them said, no. As it turns out, nobody knew who wanted the shopping cart rewritten. Where did this project come from? What were the outcomes? What were the reasons somebody wanted this to be done to begin with? Nobody knew. It was like a phantom that rose from the swampy mists at midnight only to dissipate in the cold light of dawn. But the true terror of this, friends, is not the mysterious origins of the project itself, but imagine the amounts of money we might have spent on that project had we just taken it and run with it. But instead, taking the time to figure out who needed these things enabled us to escape a chilling, chilling fate of hundreds of thousands of dollars spent rewriting the shopping cart that nobody wanted. And last, my friends, on our tour of agile terror comes the story of the Pit of Whip. It was a new team, a hopeful team, starting their first project building an external app as opposed to an internally facing app. The team had been assembled from some of the best developers in Kansas City, yay, even the world, brought together into one room under a brand new Scrum Master. Everyone on the team had experience with Scrum. They got a Scrum Master who had experience with Scrum. They asked me to help get the team started, and I made the mistake of saying something about Kanban. Soon, everyone on the team wanted to do Kanban. And our scrum master said, sure. So the team began their journey into Kanban, even though none of them had ever done it before, including their scrum master. And as they began to build their software, a strange thing began to occur. They did not observe any kind of whip control mechanisms. At first, it did not seem that unusual, Many teams start out this way. They would have one story in development per developer. I personally feel that that's still too many. But for teams that are starting out, that's not uncommon. But soon the ratio began to grow until it was two stories per developer and then three stories for developer. And sitting on the cusp of being four stories in progress per developer, the dev doing column grew from six to 12 
to 18 and was well on its way into the 30s. When finally I had a word with their scrum master, and their scrum master said, you know, Kanban requires a lot of discipline. We have not been paying attention to the whip limits we set for ourselves, but I believe I know what will fix this. The team is drowning. They're in a mire of work in progress. They can release nothing because all their hours are consumed with things that are still not finished. But I think I know what will pull us out of the pit. What if we go back to doing Scrum? And so that's what the team decided to do. They would stop doing Kanban and they would start doing Scrum because if you introduce a two-week time box, surely then the team will begin to respect the amount of whip they have in progress. Surely the team will think about what they can realistically get done in a two-week time box. And that, friends, will surely limit the work they take on. And certainly this team would escape from the mire of the pit of work in progress into the light of productivity and a released product and a completed MVP. But it was not so. For you see, friends, this team made a fatal mistake. They believed that their choice of framework was what would save them, but they did not address the underlying root causes of their issue. They did not look at the cultural issues which were causing them to pull too much work. They did not look at the external pressures from the stakeholders that only seemed to be relieved when new items were started. They did not look at any of the reasons why this team was drowning in whip. They thought simply by changing to a different framework, life would be better. And I tell you, friends, that when you are drowning in a pit of whip, there is no framework that can save you from that fate. All right, Agile spooks and ghouls, I hope you enjoyed our stories of Agile terror. I really hope that you didn't recognize your own organization in any of those stories. And I specifically hope that if you're a client of ours, you did not recognize yourself as the source of those stories. But hopefully you got a good laugh. Hopefully you learned a thing or two. And if you've got your own agile horror stories, please share them with us. Go ahead and hop on our website at integrityinspired.com Fill out the form, send us an email, let us know your horror story. Or find me on LinkedIn, I'm Phil Ledgerwood, and let me know your Agile horror story. Let's see if we can make this Halloween truly scary about the things that truly scare people in Agile environments. <laughs>